submitted for your consideration. Man has always challenged nature, thinking that they contain the elements. But what happens when nature changes the rules and fights back? You and I in a little toy shop Buy a bag of balloons with the money we've got Set them free at the break of dawn To one by one they were gone Back at base, box in the software Flash the message, something's out there Floating in the summer sky 99 red balloons go by Your co-hosts, Keith Chapman, John Wilson, Vicky Ray.
Hello, welcome to the Geologist Podcast, and it's our two-for-one nature versus man episode. And today we're discussing Attack of the 50-Foot Woman from 1958 and the Incredible Shrinking Woman from 1981. And it's yay for women. And before we get started, let's talk to our um, one woman who's been here older than time is Vicky. Hello, Vicky. How are you doing? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <I'm off>. <laughs> <laughs> And we got, of course, John Wilson with us. Hello, John. Hello, folks. <laughs> and Joe Randazzle's with us. Hello, Joe. Hello, everyone. And myself, Keith Shago. Before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. Starting with John, what have you been up to since last month? Oh, I'm still house hunting. It's been a, a grueling task, but, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll come together some way or, or another. Uh, also been... Uh, watching some Into the Dark movies on Hulu. Love them. They're fantastic. Uh, they're Bloomhouse uh, films. Very fun and very twisted, which I love. And I also finished power watching um, Love, Victor, the second season, which was fun. Sweet, cute, you know, it's a you know, teen angst type, type series. Uh, definitely recommend, especially, you know, it's Pride Month. Ah, Pride! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, as Aretha Franklin says, it's, apparently it's a deeper love. Uh, <laughs> how are you doing? Deeper love. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a thing that keeps us alive. <laughs> alive. So what are you even up to, Joe? Uh, well, we finished another screenplay. I'm just waiting for the copyright to... Um, to finish going through on it. Cause I've got a couple of, a uh, couple of people that are um, interested in reading something of mine. So um, just waiting. It should be just a couple more weeks before I can send it out. Cause uh, a lot of them want that, that, that copyright uh, number on there. So uh, beyond that, watching, uh, watching a lot of movies, I, I, I marathoned all the conjuring movies. Cause I'd never seen them uh, right before conjuring three came out. Um, and now I'm, uh, I fell down the rabbit hole watching Attack of the 50 Foot Woman, ended up watching the remake and Attack of the 50, uh, 60 Foot Centerfolds by Fred Olin Ray. And I watched just, with Daryl Hannah. Uh, she was in the remake of Attack of the 50 Foot Woman. It was her, uh, her in the Allison Hayes role and uh, Daniel Baldwin as uh, the cheating husband. And I just got uh, today yes. from Amazon, just arrived, is uh, Roger Corman's Attack of the 50 Foot Cheerleader. So I fell down the rabbit hole because of isn't, these movies. Or aren't they doing his movies tonight or is he? Oh, being... uh, no, Joe Bob. Yeah, they're doing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the movies are. It sounds like to me, it sounds like it's going to be the terror and humanoids from the deep based on the clues. I think it's humanoids from the deep. And if it is, I'll be very pleased because those are one of those movies I could hammer on all day. Long. I love humanoids from the deep. Um, I actually just watched the remake of that recently, the Showtime version of what? Uh, humanoids from the deep. They did not. Did they? 1996. It came oh, out like okay. Years I don't remember that. Uh, okay, so, so the human noise is still trying to recopulate then. We made it today. It's a new it's generation of human noise. away with it today. So uh, in 19... I was going to say, really. 95, 96, a bunch of uh, Showtime uh, did Roger Corman Presents TV series, and every week they would do like a remake of one of his movies. They remade Bucket of Blood, okay. uh, Piranha, Humanoids from the Deep, uh, The Wasp Woman, all got remade all in the 90s. Oh, so yeah. I've been actually hunting I'm those down trying, lately. 
trying to figure out well 1996 we weren't too crazy yet so i'm sure they got away with as much exploitation as they could it's like don't take the exploit out of my exploitation films that's the reason i watch them doug mcclure (laughs) (laughs) yeah it should it should be two two it is two corman movies i don't know what they are you said one is ultra low budget 60s movie and uh, one is a monster movie from the eighties that was uh, that was controversial. That's why I'm thinking Humanoids from the Deep for the eighties. I'm thinking the Terror is the, lo- the ultra low budget movie from the sixties because that's the legendary one where they had Karloff under contract for three more days, so they sent oh. Jack Nicholson home to write a script real quick so he could shoot some more scenes with him. <clears throat> yeah, they used some. They used some of the old um, Poe. Um, sets and stuff, didn't they? As well, yeah. They had just finished shooting the Raven, and they had uh, they had Karloff for like a couple more days. So they were like, uh, "We still got Karloff under contract. Somebody write a screenplay quick. Let's get him, shoot him for three days, and then we'll just shoot everything else around him." Good old Boris. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I've actually been uh, researching uh, the old Dark House and the Black Cat because I've been I've been writing something uh, on my free time, a piece about those movies. I saw them in a. Um, uh, an old movie palace that got restored in Jersey City like 15 years ago, and I decided I'm going to revisit the movies and just write like this long form thing. Uh, it's like Is 3, it the Gloria something more. Stewart, um, old dark house. What's that? Is it the Gloria Stewart 1930? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Really that. Uh, yeah, the James Whale movie. As I had seen the two of them in, uh, on the same night in a double feature in like 2007. <laughs> And I have I found like all these old pictures that I took of the the movie house that they uh, the, uh, the uh, movie house that they uh, restored, and I'm like, you know, I really should write something about that night. And I remember some stuff about that night, and then I'm like, I'll just revisit the movies and going going through all my books and finding out all the information about those movies, about what actors were paid, what was going on behind the scenes, and I'm just kind of compiling it all into one long long thing it's like eight or nine pages so far i don't know if anybody's gonna publish this so you'd be surprised <laughs> we'll see. yeah you'd be surprised you at, um what um monster the monsters in Filmland and um Megadine i have a ton of those but they're all in la i gotta go i gotta go get into my storage locker in la mm-hmm. yeah i'm sure that oh you mean it. write to them and see if they'll publish it yeah that's what you're saying. they're always looking I, for stories so or cult movies or yeah any one of those yeah once I'm done, I'll look. Like in the '90s, one of my favorite magazines was um, Scarlet Street. But I then love Scarlet was, Street. That was I such a, a great magazine. I still have all of them. I have every single issue, and I got to know the guy who edited it. Because the thing is, I I um I had difficulty getting my subscription, so I contacted you know the subscription line. And it was the guy who ex- the editor who puts together. He was it was a, he was a one man show. Well, I was going to say magazine every two months. It was a bloody fantastic interviews and. Yeah, you know, a lot of that, stuff. That was the interesting thing about the '90s is like when when you had like these smaller companies. Like I remember one day having an issue with like uh, something weird video. Like one of my orders was like super late. It was like like four or five weeks late. And I'm it was supposed to arrive in four to six weeks. So I'm like at this point, it's like 12, 13 weeks. And when I called Mike Vraney, who runs the company, is the guy who answered the phone. I'm like, is this just like are you just running this out of your house? And um, I, I think it was, I think I- he was. I ended up having like an hour and a half conversation with a guy talking about how great his magazine was. Like, this is kind of bizarre. Same here. I was just like, this is so cool. I can't believe I actually got the guy who's actually running this on the line. He got me in touch with, uh, with Herschel Gordon Lewis um, and David Friedman. And I ended up interviewing them for a website that no longer exists. I got to dig those up and see if those will get republished. 
Yeah. I remember my favorite was Fangoria. I loved going, looking at all the Fangoria. I love Fangoria. And I love Famous Monsters of Filmland and all that stuff. I got to get into my storage locker in LA. I got all these like giant like tubs that are just full of full of old monster magazines. I got to get I got to get out there and get them. There's still a market for those. Um, those yeah. Some of those um, magazines are still going, by the way. So. Yeah. And Vix, what have you been up to? Not too much since the last time I talked to you. Just do usually watching my typical horror movies. I did come across something on Tubi though I thought was interesting because I I was watching the last drive-in last week and they were talking about VHS nasties and it seems like the UK is the one that started the VHS nasty list. I didn't know that and there was a documentary on it about the 80s movies and how they were just they just could not get a rating or they didn't want to play them in the UK and that's where they yeah. got um, banned. Actually, the the video nasties over here happened because of the James Bulger case and people don't know what the James Bulger case is. Is that James Bulger was a five year old boy and these two eight year old kids took him out of a shopping center, sexually raped him, molested him, and basically with knives and bottles and everything oh, like that and then the him brutally, and then um and then left them on the train tracks and then um when they caught the two boys the two eight-year-olds they said that the reason why they did it because they watched child's play three which um at that time the person named mary whitehouse who's this very old woman who had no idea started the video nasties. And the thing is, the worst thing about the video nasties things is a lot of things that went on it was things that people never even seen because they went by the name of the titles and yeah. that's how they were being viewed. And so that lasted up until that, I think that went around for a good eight years. And, but the thing is saying that you still could, if you knew the right people, you could still get yeah. And what the thing is, what these video nasties, some of these really bad movies are really yeah. bad. And some are really, really bad movies that, Probably right. would have been forgotten if they weren't on this list because yeah. because they were on this list made people want to see them even more. And then, well, it's also too when it comes to like big Hollywood too. A lot of people went straight to video because what they wanted to publish wasn't what they wanted to be rated, and so they went right. straight to video. Right. So a lot of those films that had some of those risque elements, they knew they weren't going to win an Oscar, but they knew they were going to go at least be published in a video store somewhere. And someone, someone I didn't would watch know it. that though. It was kind of an interesting documentary because I didn't realize all that, you know, I knew that there was like it list, but I didn't know, you know, they were actually called it. I never heard the term until Joe Bob said it last week on his, mm-hmm. his Friday episode. He was talking about, were you on that VHS nasty list? I'm trying but to there are a lot. Of, there are a lot of things that are on that list that are, are quite reputable. Oh, he was talking about. to Stone Howard. Dog, Justin right. Hoffman. That was on there. Um, yeah. Natural Born Killers. Reservoir Dogs. What's what was the one with Jodie Foster too, where she gets raped and um, the pool the hall? Was, yes. Yeah. The so, that, that was that was a, that that was tough to watch though. Yeah. Clockwork Orange was on there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And um, actually, Clockwork Orange. Um, that's kind of an interesting story because. Stanley Kubrick is a bit of a megalomaniac anyway, you know, as far as his films are concerned. And he banned that in England, not not because um, people were up in arms about it, because he got bad reviews in this country for it. So he banned it so it could never be shown in England again. Then what happened is is there's this um, cult cinema that I used to go to um, called The Scala. And he used to go there, and that's where I saw like things like 
you know, you go there and see, you go there and pay one price and you see like triple features. Like I thought right. Thundercrack would be with like polyester. Yeah. yeah, we can't Blender, forget. I got Blender, Blender. You get like a triple bill of these like odd films. And um, they showed Clockwork Orange and he closed them down. He sleeped wow. Yeah. yeah. Of course, yeah. once he died, that opened up the field anyway. Yeah, so. I was going to say, they're like, his family's probably like, who gives a shit? Here, wa- let them watch whatever they want to watch. <laughs> right, right. You need the money. Yeah. No, but, um, but yeah, um, but that's that was an interesting know, documentary. That's, that's how that all came around because of a murder case, and then newspapers ran with it, right? And then they come to find out the kids, and then you find out like two years later, the kids never even watched Child's Play 3. It just kind of baffles me, you know, because I've got a grandson who's eight. Why an eight year old who should be innocent eating glue and crayons is going to go do something like that? I mean. <laughs> I just don't well, understand it. It's interesting because there was a case too about a boy who, who it just was a matter of timing. Like one was going this way. The other one was going this way. Like they were going opposite directions and they crossed each other's paths. And this kid who was physically and mentally abused by his own stepfather just didn't understand or didn't know like, and he took his rage out on this kid so that he, I think was nine and the other kid was maybe six or seven and just brutalized this kid and killed him. And so now years later, after like him being in juvie, then in jail, right. It was like, he knows he did something wrong. He wasn't a sociopath and psychopath. He just, he didn't know how to express his anger in the way that he should have known how to do, you know? Well, the funny thing about the, um, the, the Bulger case is that the kids are now adults now, of course. And once you're 18, your yeah. everything gets expunged, so they got new names and they were set back out in society. But one of the killers um has gone back in prison because he has a thing for child porn, which is kind of interesting yeah. in itself. You think that he would have got some kind of therapy while inside for those ten years? Yeah, well, it depends. If he went into jail, no. If he went into a psych ward, yes, right. they went to like a juvie psych ward. So yeah, you no, know, they wouldn't go to prison because I mean they were in the eight. So yeah, correct. Yeah, so. What? And speaking of Joel, I'm what? sorry, go ahead, Keith. No, go ahead, go ahead. I'm not saying because I'm up to anything else. No, not a whole lot. Just making plans to go home and maybe I can, you know, run down the street and abuse your family for you. Oh, go for it. <laughs> what I was what I was about to say is uh uh my the place I lived in previous to this one and uh in Northbrook, Illinois, the cemetery right behind me is where Leopold and Loeb were buried. So this kind of thing's been going on forever. Like they were, they were the subject uh, uh, that, that the Hitchcock movie Rope was based on. Just right. two teenagers decided they wanted to kill somebody just for the thrill of it and try yeah. to commit the perfect crime. So these things have been around forever. Like to I blame mean, the movies for it. There's also this social media one that was recently back in, I think it was mid 2012, 2013, but it was about these two girls who just committed to, there was a Slender friend of theirs. Man. There was a friend's. No, they, they were friends with this girl. And one of them was friends with the girl longer than the other one. But when the other two became friends, they just decided that they didn't want to be friends with her anymore. And their their way of doing that and getting rid of her was literally killing her and just you burn know, her alive or something. They, they, I mean, they brutalized her. They beat her with rocks and they tried to burn her and then they couldn't burn her. And then they tried to drown her. I mean, the poor girl went through all this stuff and then, what made it worse was one of them 
would go see the family and be like, oh, if you need anything, if there's anything we can do, whatever we can do to help and would be on social media. And it was like the first documented social media where police actually pulled all of their, their text messages, all their social feed messages, and to show you how twisted they were, where one would, one would post, we miss you, come home, where are you, you know, and then another one would post, um, third time's a charm. And what that meant was they tried to kill her this way. It didn't work. They tried to kill her this way. It didn't work. And then on the third time is they actually were able to kill her. So one, and one I posted that just the day of that she died was like, Oh, third time's a charm. You know, oh, it's God. crazy, but yeah. I know, don't forget the, girls don't forget the biggest murder child of all time. Our dear little Rhoda. Oh, Rhoda. Rhoda. That little girl. <laughs> I hit him with my shoe again. <laughs> Daddy gives the best hugs. I love daddy. Where's daddy? <laughs> so twisted. Give me a basket of hugs. Basket of hugs. Basket of kisses. Oh, that's right. Basket of kisses. Oh. That little wench. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, myself, um, I haven't been up to a lot. Basically, got um, so season five is now up on our website. Um, I want to thank E.G. Daly for giving some use of her song for our opening uh, for our opening page of our um, um of our website so that's nice of her so thank you eg daily for that um and basically you know tell you what's coming for season five we got some good stuff coming 80s kings of horror which we're doing some of the big um horror novels and with the movie counterparts and 80s horror and of course we'll be finishing off dark shadows and bewitched now, for people who are interested in Back for Blood, um, I'll let you know now that it's now going to will now be considered that you don't actually have to go buy the game if you're an Xbox um, Game Pass member. You will be able to download the game on its release on October 22nd, and along with um, the PlayStation version and the Nintendo um, Game Pass versions as well. So that game will be available to download for free if you're a member of those situations for Back for Blood. Yay! So now that brings us to Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. Jack of the Fifty Foot Woman is a 1958 independently made American science fiction horror film directed by Nathan H. Geron, credited as Nathan Hertz, and starring Allison Hayes, William Hudson, and Yvette Vickers. It was produced by Bernard Woolner. The screenplay was written by Mark Hanna, and the original music score was composed by Ronald Stein. The film was distributed in the United States by Allied Artists as a double feature with War of the Satellites. The Allied Artist television version runs 75 minutes instead of 66, including a long printed crawl at the beginning and end, repeated sequences, and whole frames designed to optically lengthen the film's running time. The film's storyline um, concerns the plight of a wealthy heiress whose close encounter with an enormous alien in his round spacecraft causes her to grow into a giantess complicating her marriage, which is always troubled by a forever-ring husband. Attack of the 50-Foot Woman is a variation of other 1950 science fiction films that feature size-changing humans, which would include The Amazing Colossal Man from 1957, its sequel, War of the Colossal Beast from 1958, and The Incredible Shrinking Man from 1957. 
In this case, the woman is a protagonist, which she probably wouldn't have known if it wasn't for the title. Anyway, <laughs> let's go to the trailer and be right back to discuss Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. Once a normal, voluptuously beautiful woman, she drove into a nightmare of horror and saw descending from the sky a titanic monster whose fearsome touch became a frightful curse. You think I'm drunk, don't you? All of you! I'm not drunk! I'm not! You've got to believe me! Please. It was right in the middle of the highway, 30 feet tall! What, she's in the booby hatch? Throw the key away. That'll put you in the driver's seat. You'd make a wild driver, Harry. With 50 million bucks. What she saw was beyond belief until others, too, faced its hideous, uncontrollable menace. Attack of the 50-foot woman, incredibly huge, with incredible desires for love and vengeance. Welcome back to the Literary License Podcast, and we're discussing an attack of the 50-foot woman, starting with you, Joe, since you seem to have a sick fascination with overgrown women. Who <laughs> <laughs> likes them tall? Cheerleaders. I just had so much fun with this movie. That's just the reason. Oh, my God. I hadn't seen this movie in, like, 25 years, and uh, I just revisited it, and I... I just had such a blast with it. I mean, just laughing at just some of the some of the dated dialogue. I mean, there was one there was one thing in there about how uh, like I, I'd be just laughing at the absurdity of this this doctor saying something about how how um, oh god, what was it? Something about how, how hormonal women are and how yeah. like you know, just laughing at the absurdity that someone would say something that stupid in a mainstream movie. Um, and the effects were cheesy as hell, and I loved it. Like half the time, she's showing up as translucent. Like, yeah, like, so, right so the her. other ogre, the other yeah, guy, yeah, the, the giant, too. yeah. And you <laughs> almost can't see those two strings holding that globe. Is yeah, it I know. Oh, and then there's I, the paper mache hand. That was my favorite. The paper mache <laughs> hand that would just come into view out of nowhere. It was so my good. question uh, to you guys is how big was her bedroom? Was that like a colossal sized bedroom or was she sticking out of the house? Oh, that's the I, thing. I, I never even thought about that. I didn't think about that actually. Yeah, they just huh. go into the room and suddenly there's this giant hand. Like they didn't hear the walls clearly break no. as she grew to 50 feet yeah. tall. <laughs> something had to make noise I, I i don't understand it it's 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 so fucking absurd that i was like i need to like i went down the rabbit hole and ended up watching like 
Attack of the Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman the remake, and then the Attack of the Sixty Foot Centerfolds. I'm like, I just I I loved it. It's like it's so much fun. Like there's something about uh, the sci-fi movies of this era. <laughs> and just the the, the terrible science <laughs> yeah. combined with just the, the the terrible effects, like you said, that the hand was clearly paper mache. Uh, it's it's so much fun. I just had so much fun and it watching it. A lot. It would come in like this. It would yeah, it would come in like just kind of dangling in front of like smacking. <laughs> it was like, like it would be wavy. <laughs> and the other thing is just scale. Scale wise, yeah. it made no sense. Yeah. Like she's just slightly bigger than, the, than than people on the street, but then she's taller than the building. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So no, none of it made any sense. It was fucking glorious. Actually, <laughs> well, you know, they came in under budget when they made it, so they probably would have been better served if they used that money for better special effects back then instead oh, yeah. of coming in under. Budget. Well, they didn't even have that many locations. I mean, they were driving around a lot, so that could have done been filmed anywhere, right? Then you had the saloon. I guess it was like a saloon or a bar or whatever, right? And then the house, and that was it. Like most of it was those locations. So it's kind of I funny do how- have to sit there and say that the the radiation or the alien that causes her to grow did a fantastic job in making sure that her clothes grew with her yes yeah. <laughs> i know exactly yeah but the movie the movie is missing one thing though a bunch of drunken college kids in a convertible driving in, in between her legs looking up back and forth yeah, I go, oh. <laughs> that would have been total that would have set the atmosphere a little bit I, I thought it was funny that big that big guy gets out of the spear and starts terrorizing her, and they got hair on his fingers. You notice the hair on his thumb? Oh yeah, yeah. He was well. He was <laughs> obviously alien. Some clearly, some like giant. Clearly, they wanted yeah. the alien dressed up like a Roman centurion. You know? I also just love the fact that she had to go up and like touch. You know, like it's real, and then it's like grabs her, and that that. The husband was a piece of work. I'm sorry. The husband. Oh man, this movie should. Was a husband been, or boyfriend? I couldn't understand husband. that. Husband. Okay, it was husband. Uh-huh. This, this movie could have definitely been a, 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 about a marriage and alcoholism, a yeah. bad marriage. And, I mean, because it really was. I mean, they were. I'm not drunk. You all think I'm drunk. And then Honey, Honey Parker, that that chick, man. Oh man, know, the town, the like, town floozy. I know the yeah. town floozy. Yeah, it's like, I have an idea. What if she just kind of? What if she just kind of died? Yeah. What? I'm just saying it. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Every bee was buzzing around, honey. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. No, the husband is just a straight up piece of shit. Clearly, just a guy who's only with her because she's an heiress to this fortune. Doesn't give a shit about her. Yeah. It's usually it's odd because in the fifties, usually it's the other way around. The way they played in the fifties, right. usually yeah. the woman who's like this. This conniving gold digger. In this case, Who it was, was the much man. Much prettier than Honey. I, mean, <laughs> I know Honey was not pretty at all. It was I was like, like really, you could have so much better. I mean, you're honey. right. Yeah. Well, what about that? Like, he's hoping that Nancy or the fifty foot woman um, would snap and go, and she would have to be sent to the booby trap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, the booby hatch. The booby the hatch. Booby hatch. Yeah, the booby hatch. Yeah. <laughs> she goes, she's gonna go crazy, and we'll send her to the booby hatch. Yeah, <laughs> no, that. I thought. I thought. I don't know, but I mean, when you get there's some movies you know that are just so bad they're gonna be brilliant, yeah. and they're brilliantly bad. And this is just one of them. I mean, I don't. I don't know anybody that hasn't seen it. Really, tell you the truth, back from the day. I mean. When we had the old high, the movies come on, that was one of the movies that would come on. 
I thought I hadn't seen it. And then as I started to watch it, I was like, wait, no, I have seen this. I've definitely seen this. And I just remember like certain scenes where when she's, you know, finally you scream in his name. And I was like, oh my God, he's so fucked. Yeah, when she comes in there and rips out the thing, she wants to get the Harry. And yeah. he's, she she picks him up and it looks like a baby doll they went to Walmart and bought. Did I know. You see that? It doesn't look like him at all. It's, it's just, so good. You know, he's got a suit on and stuff, but it's a bald baby doll. It's just like, <laughs> what the fuck? Well, I think Harry Housen was busy on this on the day they were filming this. <laughs> yeah. So we can get you at the end of it when you're laying in her hand then, basically, which is... I'm um, wondering how much Ed Wood had, you know, had, what do you call it? it Influence? Fired. You know? (laughs) Because it was sort of Ed Wood-ish. Yeah. (laughs) It definitely was Ed Wood-ish, because there was, like, moments where you're, like, like, just the... The melodrama of um, the Blender, nurse, Blender. you know, the nurse when she's <laughs> like her screaming. I was like, okay, lady, chill out. <laughs> like she was literally over the top. <laughs> Meanwhile, the doctors are like, uh oh, get the syringe. She needs more morphine. Back to that freaking syringe they come out with that huge yeah. ass syringe. It was like an elephant <laughs> syringe or something. It's so good. I have to sit there and I love the fact that she's. I mean, she's very resourceful. A bit like um, Scarlet and Gone with the Wind, when you know Rhett's coming, she decides to make a dress out of the curtains. Yeah, she decides to make an outfit out of her bed linen. Yeah, pr- pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> like how big are your sheets, woman? <laughs> look, you know she's she's got that elitist in her, and so she's got to look good all the time. <laughs> so. Her little her little bikini her, her little bikini bed bed linen that she's running around in. Yeah. Well, they didn't try to. Well, she was obviously put together well, so they definitely capitalized on that. Yeah. Oh, definitely. She, she had a good body on there. I'll give her that. I also uh, say, did, did her hair, was it just me, went blonder when she got bigger? Because wasn't her hair like a, wasn't she a brunette? And by the time she was of, like big, yeah. she was a blonde. And I was like, whoa, when did, was that a side effect to being a giant that she just became a blonde? I wonder if that had to do with the blue screen effect, though. Maybe that's why. Maybe, because I remember going, her hair's blonde now. It was, she was like dark hair. The other, the the hussy, the hussy was the uh, hussy. <laughs> blonder redhead. Mm-hmm. Because um, back in those days, it was green screen, wasn't it? That they were, yeah. Was it blue screen or green screen that they were? Probably blue screen. Blue screen. Blue screen. Blue screen. Now it's green screen. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it has they must to have had that. a lot of morphine to keep her in a morphine induced coma to restrain her. While well, apparently not enough. Morphine. Yeah. I well, noticed. Her, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was, was going to say. You I got that, that. You got that. That stone too. What is it? The, the heart of India or whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's supposed to be the most the most famous diamond. It's just like really. It's, uh, I hope my husband doesn't cheat on me, diamond. Yeah, but I, you know, that diamond I think gets thrown over by that old lady in Titanic. I think. Yeah, it's thrown yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's been eighty-seven dirty, years. Doesn't the dirty old bald alien want it? Because obviously he had a thing for her. So. No, well, I think he had a thing for the powering that, that spaceship, diamond. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, there was a bunch Apparently of different the diamonds. diamond necklace powering, powering the spaceship. Yeah, figure that one out. That well, was. you know, it's just like you're what that was an ugly alien. I don't know who that was, but but he was nice. He wasn't mean. He was, you know, he could have done some damage. Probably he was very cordial until he started shooting at him, and then he was like, "Screw this!" <laughs> yeah, he picks well, up that car and it turns into but, another car. 
just to tell you how cheap this movie is, Tony the bartender also is the giant alien. <laughs> is it really? I never what? even noticed that. Giant that alien? Terrible. I didn't know that. Yeah, Tony the bartender that, you know, when she runs in and goes, oh, and then, then you got honey, floozy honey, and they're being served drinks. The bartender's also the giant alien. Is that the guy playing oh, Michael Ross as Tony that the bartender slash the alien. <laughs> there's there's two things that stick out to me um as far as like just logically she knows where he is when she becomes 50 feet tall she goes looking for him but she goes first to an apartment and sticks her hand in the apartment and flips over the bed and everything like which i, I guess in the 50s that's one way to imply that they were sleeping together without you know showing anything uh so she knew where they were and yet she's still like kind of like sticking her hand in this building and like trying to find them there. And it's like, no, you know, he's in that saloon. Cause that's where he's been the whole fucking movie. Um, <laughs> yes. I know. And he calls her an alcoholic, please. Yeah. <laughs> Hot kettle. And, yeah. No kidding. The other one that gets me is you open up with a newscast that talks about how, how there's hmm. been this, uh, this spaceship showing up all over the planet. And the, the, the newscaster even says, if the if my trajectory is right, it's going to show up over Southern California tonight. And then she sees it, and nobody believes her. It was just on the news. Yeah, <laughs> it was just true. on the news that this is going to happen. <laughs> nobody but, believes but her. But we also don't know how many times she's came in and she's seen things, right? Meaning but, she's she could be literally the town drunk who comes in and she's like, I just saw a giraffe, you know, like she could be that crazy woman. Well, it's like it's like people who get um, picked up for anal probing, isn't it? It's, always, yeah. it's never anyone from Harvard or Cambridge <laughs> or Yale. It's always it's always two, two hibbles having sex in the back of an RV in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I've been anally probing and got mortal. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted my gym. They wanted my gym around my neck. And I do. And you know, the thing is, that there is such something as alien abduction. I got, God forbid, what the aliens must think of us. That these are the people that they're picking up. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. But, um, I I was reading something too about when I uh, do a little, you know. No, education here. Around the time the movie came out, a synthetic estrogen treatment was managing to grow for tall girls. And I was like, what? <laughs> so kind of has that play on social norms, how they how women were, if you were too tall, you were considered like a freak. Back right? then, and, yeah. 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 Women well, always I mean, get it the worst for you. You always gotta be perfect or you know, social. It's still kind of like that now. Like I know a lot of guys that won't date women that are taller than them because Yo, guys have this insecurity. Stature, we gotta be yeah. taller than the woman, and it's it's weird, but uh, whatever, whatever floats your boat. I guess you know a lot of. I, I'm just saying, I'm not going to turn down a woman because she's taller than me. Like, no, it you know, I mean, seems absurd. She's beautiful. But you think, but you also think of other cultures too. Like, I don't know if this is American culture thing, but you think of like you know wrapping binding feet. That was a thing. Like, you couldn't have big feet. Like, you had to have small bound, bound feet. You oh know? God, they, the Japanese used to do that. Ooh. Basically, and, and there was dwarf, like they had a they, they grow a uh, lot. They yeah. grow so basically, girl. if you're a dwarf woman, you can have any man in the world. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. <laughs> Pretty much. I think there's even a calling for it. <laughs> probably, it's probably a special. I think there's a whole section on timber, Tinder for that. <laughs> I think as we get into like the next film too, the parallels from this, I mean, 
sort of how she's treated. It's not just her husband who treats her like this. Her, the entire town clearly hates this woman and is just so mean to her. Like, oh, yeah. she's the, the police. And I know, but her of, husband's such a douche. Why don't they? Oh, he's, he is, you know, but why? They, all, they all enable him. That's my point. It's like the police officers are like, oh, he's got a side dish, so we'll protect him. And, you know, oh, here she comes. Yeah. Just just whatever she says is, you know, okay, yeah, sure, Miss whatever, right? Miss Fowler, yeah, sure, whatever, know. you know, whatever you need. And they just look, roll their eyes at her, you know. They they but, even say that when they're hunting for this this giant that she saw. They're like, well, you know, she's the most powerful woman in town. Which yeah. also, to me, why are you protecting the husband then? Shouldn't you yeah. be on her side? If she exactly. <laughs> yeah. The only one who was on her you side was the that, um but I also found that it's like the women were kind of the worst in this movie as well. Yeah. Because women can be the all kinds of the worst sometimes. Mm-hmm. Have you ever? They're not very, they're not very supportive, are they? Well, but the only one who was in there was was Honey. The, I honey mean, the if you look at the number of men, the husband, the police officer, the deputy, because all of them were just frequent. so bad to her. The only one who was really good to her was a butler who. Yeah. I love the scene when he's taking her stuff and he's like, what are you doing her stuff? And he like tackles him as he's going down the stairs. I was like, yes, this reminds me of Dynasty. Go, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I guess we are looking from the 1950s and the thing is it was a male dominated society anyway, you know, and you get, and you do get that a lot with the, the film. I mean, not to this extent, but you do get that with other films in, in yeah. this era, stuff like this. It's like, you know, isn't it like how to marry a millionaire with um with well, Marilyn Marilyn Monroe. Monroe comes out yeah. around the same time, and basically she's walking around blind as a bat because she can't get a man, and she's wearing her glasses. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. That's a fantastic. It's movie. like a reverse Superman. You know? <laughs> like, what's that other movie oh, you're hideous, and you take him off. Oh my god! What's that other movie with Tony Curtis and um uh Jack Lemon, and they dress up like women? Hot. Oh my God, I love that movie. I might even have to rewatch this today because I just thought of it and it goes off my head. I I just went and looked up the line of dialogue. Uh, uh, The the doctor tells uh, tells, um, Alison Hayes' husband, uh, as women mature, they uh, they, they grow irrational. I was like, this movie is so... Oh my God. This movie hates women. I was going to say, geez. Yeah, probably. I mean, this movie would never be allowed to be shown anywhere. It talk about exploitation. You got a 50 foot woman with huge boobs wrapped up in a sheet. You know, I mean, guys probably went just to watch the 50 foot woman, you know, and oh, my God. The only one that, that that capitalizes on this and capitalizes also on what Keith said earlier about the clothes growing with you was the Fred Olin Ray one, the attack of the 60 foot centerfold. The first time we see her after she grows, she's completely naked. And uh, later on, as she's in uh, as she's in downtown L.A., you have one guy stop, look up and go, oh, my God, look at the size of those tits. <laughs> <laughs> the only one of them that actually capitalized on those moments. Yeah. I'm just real, glad real things that real straight men would say. <laughs> and <lesbians. laughs> Oh, my God, look at those tits. I literally told my friends, like, that would lactating. be me. Yeah. You know, can you imagine she was lactating? No. Oh, stop. Oh, oh, <laughs> stop man. it. That would be like uh, that'd be like a, a like a foam show. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a hybrid, basically, of Carrie meets the Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman shower scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So bad. I'm gonna laugh at you. 
Under yeah. the soundtrack of Peter Gabriel singing Red Rain. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, we kind of have to go there because that's the spirit of this movie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, everything uh, is magnified, I assume. I mean, it's. I mean, I guess the only the only. I mean, I do like this movie a lot. And I do enjoy this movie. It's always one of those kitsch favorites it's that you fun. kind of watch. And you, yeah, it's just, it's just a fun movie, but. It always kind of irritates me that she has to die at the end because at the end of the day she is a victim. At the end of the Did day, did she die though? Because it didn't really. I didn't really say think she died. She, died. she yeah. got electrocuted. I thought I think electrocuted, and the husband's dead in her hand. So I just think that she was dead as well. No, I, I think that the husband's dead for sure because they walked over and they're like, "Oop," you know. And I was like, so kind of like he got his comeuppance, right? That like she, she got him, him, you know. He was. Well, an what's asshole. she gonna do? If she is, I mean, she she because she was she's she's not gonna get smaller. She's just gonna be a fifty foot woman walking around. She can go back with the giant. She can be like, "Hey, baby, I got. I'm single now." Well, the giant <laughs> was a good hey, looking. Wanna... Come on, if I was a giant girl, I would not hook up with him. Showing up on Jerry Springer talking about how she can't get a man. <laughs> um, Anybody and... that dates that better have a big board slapped across their ass. That's I would say I he was say. also he earned some points because he took her back to the place. Remember, he was a good giant, so he took her back home. So you know, he was a good guy. He looked kind of mean. I thought he was kind of a dirty old man the way he was going after. Her. And I'm not buying the scratches were from radiation. <laughs> 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 scratched from radiation. What I think he crazy? wanted that big diamond on her chest and he was like, I'm getting it, right? So he needed yeah. it for power and, you know, but then he took her back home and, you know, put her in her bed. So he was very gentleman. How he got in the house, I have no fucking clue without You're destroying in it. The house. <laughs> no, You're like, on top of something. No, I think she was in the room. Wasn't she in I her, he the bedroom? on top of a house or something or on top of a store. They, because they said <laughs> something found her drunk. Lop her on, on top, top. of a as the store or something that's going to drive me nuts till I find it. Mm, but he, they did make a comment on that. I mean, can you imagine if this, <laughs> if this was a, let's say this could happen. What would you do if you grew up to be like 50 foot? You just wake up and you're like 50 foot overnight. You just feel like, well, I think you'd partially feel a little bit invincible. So I feel like as they're, as they were coming after her, first of all, probably not the smartest move. You're going to chain her up and strap her to a bed and try to give her morphine because when you wake up, when you wake up, you're like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't do anything. I just grew. Like, why are you chaining me up in my room? Well, right? clearly she must have had stuck her feet and hands out the door. Somehow. She had I'm to. Still, yeah. I'm still on the bedroom. Why was the bedroom that big? There's, she yeah, was there's Harris, no so way. I'm just going to say she had probably had a big ass room. <laughs> well, there's 50 no way. She's living in OJ Simpson's house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, think about it though. Like she's like, you know, she wake you wake up and you're 50 foot, and it's like, oh, I'll go for a walk, and you pretty much killed half of the town by the time you got yeah. on people. Go for a stroll. You're like, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> How do you get her out of the house without destroying it? No, she destroyed it. She definitely destroyed it. Because remember, well, she, she busts out of the house. Oh, that's yeah. she did. She did. Because <clears throat> all just... you heard was Harry. Harry. Harry! <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just, just like, damn, you know, she sounded pissed. 
Oh, yeah. Can you imagine well, you're out philandering on your wife and then your 50 foot wife is starting to search for well, you? Well, and she probably remembered that he left her ass behind. Hello? Yeah. She was getting attacked by an alien. He was like, bye. <laughs> got in the car and he left her there. Like, hello? <laughs> what a nice guy. I know. I mean, the thing is, though, if, if she's come looking for you, you'd feel her coming looking for you because the whole ground would shake, wouldn't it? I would yeah. think so. Boom, boom, boom. No, but wasn't boom. it wasn't it shaking? They were so drunk that they didn't even know. Remember, because there was like the boom, boom, and he's like, "You need to come home. She's awake. Your wife's awake." And he's like, "I'm not doing anything. I need another drink." <laughs> I was honey la fleuze. Like in the 40, 30s, 40s, and 50s, there's a lot of alcohol being passed around. Oh, yeah. Know? I need some more liquor. Liquor. You liquor. Brother. I love it. I think it's a fun movie. I think most yeah, of the spinoffs on it are fun. I didn't see the cheerleader, but I've seen the other one. Actually, um, Vicky and I, part of our classic novels, we did Gulliver's Travels, and Gulliver Travels fills in a lot of blanks that in the book, not the films, where basically what happens when what happens what the Lily Putts have to do when he has to go to the bathroom and things yeah. that they have to go through. Because <laughs> like when he took a dump, they would like have to like get like the whole town to come out and have to like show them. Oh God. I no. was really surprised at that book and, and the innuendo. You know, they used him for a sex toy too. Yeah. <laughs> They did. God, I can't. Yeah. So things you read in classic novels that you had no idea were there when you were reading them in high school. <laughs> well, when you think about it that way too, that's kind of like imagine like how would you floss your teeth? Like what? What would you like? How would you? You know what I mean? It's like, mm. <laughs> like open wire. No, I guess you would go and get like a telephone wire and like rip it out. And like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just oh, I knew we were going to have... About your, sorry about your Wi-Fi, but I got to have clean teeth. <laughs> I knew we were going to have a completely honest and mature discussion on this film. <laughs> oh, in watching the remake, they actually reference... Uh, Daryl Hannah in the remake actually references Gulliver's Travels uh, when she's talking to Daniel Baldwin, who's a bigger scumbag in the remake than right. uh, the husband was in this one. Um, and, Hard to believe. Uh, in that one, in the remake, which I just saw it yesterday, so it's still fresh on my mind, when she's walking around searching for them, uh, Daniel Baldwin is actually having sex with uh, with with uh, the the uh, with Honey. So like they feel everything in the in the bedroom already shaking. So you kind of get that little comedic moment. Um, so there's that? Uh, who, there's that. Who directed the um, remake of that? That was actually Christopher Guest. That's it. Which was amazing to me. I'm like, wait, Christopher Guest made this? Um, one thing it does is um, she doesn't kill Honey. She dec- she uh, she uh, tells her she could do so much better. And oh, this movie right. ended up actually having more 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 feminist overtones. I, I guess say, that would definitely be a more feminist tone of like, well, it's, not, it's not us, it's him. He's the bad shit. guy. Women always get mad at each other for a philandering man <laughs> when he's the one that should have his ass kicked, not the women. Yeah, but she was also, this honey was instigating kill her, right? Like oh, she, yeah, was she was not, so she was a, she was a 
fucking horrible person. Oh, she was horrible. There's no she doubt. She could have been it. like, when are, you, when are you gonna leave her? You know, I'm so much better at that, right? Versus, right. oh, kill her, you know? And then at one point, I overheard the nurse say, if you gave her too much of this, she would die. Like, what the right. hell? Like, clearly, clearly. Yeah. Honey was a much bigger bitch in the, in the first, in the original. In this yeah. one, Daniel Baldwin was the one who was constantly bringing up the idea of killing her, making her disappear, getting yeah, her, so it's him. you know, it exploiting her. And Honey's like, that that really doesn't seem right to me that to to do that to her. Yeah. So yeah, there's a little a little bit of a <laughs> a little bit of a reversal on this one. In, um, the, re- in the remake, how does she become big? I can't. remember. It's the same thing. Oh, alien. Same thing. It's the it's the alien. Uh, they actually show a, like uh, like a flying saucer type UFO. So yeah, there's um. It's just Daniel Baldwin's more of a scumbag. Honey's not as much of a scumbag. Um, and she does the right thing. So she basically doesn't kill Honey. And she, she doesn't kill Honey, no. She yeah. she kind of She's kind of holding her in her hand and saying, you could do so much better than this or something to that effect. I don't remember exactly what it was. So, yeah, this uh, it was kind of a – it was a tonal shift, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like both of them. I, I really yeah. enjoyed both of them. Uh, I don't know how long it will be up, but the, the remake, it's, like, nearly impossible to find, but it's currently on YouTube. As of me nice. stating this right now, it's on YouTube. Yeah, I don't know if it will be. Um, I thought it'd be on HBO Max. Uh, it was apparently made for HBO, but I, I like both. They were both kind of fun. What are your final thoughts of the attack of the 50 foot woman starting with Vicky? I thought it was an incredibly fun movie to watch. I mean, that's the kind of movie if I see it on, I'll watch it all the way through just because it's so out there, you know, and, and it's just, it's just enjoyable. It just as you know, there's bad effects, you know, that it wasn't the best writing, you know, or anything else, but it's just one of those movies, especially if you like scary movies, horror movies, whatever you want to call yourself, aficionado. But, uh, uh, it's it's worth it, and it's worth seeing Harry get his. <laughs> so. And I'm sure that the guys enjoyed the scenery. <laughs> <laughs> and what about yourself, John? What are your final thoughts? I I actually I love seeing it again. It's funny that I forgot that I even seen it, but I love seeing I love old sci-fi films, and I love like the black and white, and I love the sort of cheesiness to it, but I love the nuances too. It's a very simple story. What if a woman becomes a giant, you know, and, and doesn't really terrorize the town, just really wants her husband and really wants him to pay. <laughs> and, I, and it's very simplistic that way. And I think it's a great story that way. Human, human nature at its and, Yeah. And when it ends, you're just kind of like, oh, you're, I, I mean, I was very satisfied. I was like, good, kill the fucker. Like, like yeah. he was so bad. And, and she got, honey got her comeuppings too, which was, was yep. extra honey on top of the, the cake there. And what about yourself, Joe? Uh, like I said, I, I absolutely love this movie because, because of all its shortcomings. I think that's the best thing about it. Like um, late, late last year, we watched uh, another 50 sci-fi movie, them. And mm-hmm. I feel like this actually like worked better than them because them, the premise was insane, but I felt like they didn't show enough of it. Uh, whereas here, it's just it's just off the wall bonkers the whole time. So I think it's uh, I think it works in that regard. Um, like movies like this, like pe- people always talk about bad movies, and 
right, this isn't like this isn't bad, but it's entertaining bad. Right. Like uh, Vicky was talking about how a couple weeks ago on uh, on the last drive-in they showed Sledgehammer and Things. <laughs> I can't now, get those four those, hours back. <laughs> those are fucking awful movies. There's like They're not like awful. the worst thing you can do is be absolutely dull. And that's the thing about Attack of the 50-Foot Woman is even if it was accidental because the effects don't hold up and half the time, they're, they're like I said earlier, they're translucent and just the absurdity of it, right. that at least keeps you entertained and keeps you engaged. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A movie like Things, well, the absurdity in that kept you engaged a little bit, but right. I think a lot of people give, um, give you know, quote-unquote bad filmmakers um, – or, or, or talk a lot of talk a lot of smack about them when when really they're not. I think a lot of times it's just effects don't work out and timing do, uh, doesn't work out. But these movies actually sometimes have like this really quirky personality. And Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman has that. Yeah. Um, it, it has this wonderfully quirky personality that that makes you want to see more of these types of movies. To me, the, the ones that don't work are the ones where it's just like you're just sitting there and it's just like a slog to get through. Like those are the like- ones that. Kind of like fried berry. <laughs> fried berry, I wasn't a big fan of, but yeah, apparently it worked for some people. But I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I'm in the minority on that. I didn't like it that much, but hey, to each their own. Um, I like a movie where basically it takes the final, you know, tale and sentencing and slang of "Hell hath no fury as a woman scorned," yeah. and we get to see that under a fifty-foot woman. And I have to sit there and say that the poster, where basically she's like in a little mini skirt and you got the, you know, the traffic driving Andy between over the legs traffic. and the highway, really sell the movie for me. Help the man. And you get anything is is I mean it's a classic. I mean suddenly it, husbands know. are like, sure, honey, let's go see a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you know, it, it kind of makes you know. I can imagine when this movie came out. I mean, it made all its money back. They were even talking about being a sequel. That was going to be a colorized right. sequel um, for this time. And of course, you know, like some film kind of fell to the wayside. So it did make a lot of money in its thingy. But I can just imagine like, you know, being a kid and going to go see this at a double feature. And it must have been so much fun to see this. And I had to say that, you know, it does exactly what it says on the tin. Uh, so, you know, even, even the special, special effects, though, some of them are shoddy. And it does make you wonder how come they're actually a lot less and cheaper looking than King Kong, which was like 20 years. This is like 20 years after King Kong, or about 20, yeah. 30 years after King Kong. So you're kind of thinking, you think they would have perfected that by now, but, but it's still all part of the fun sort of thing. And you just kind of watch it and just lay back and enjoy it. And, and it's a classic, and it's a classic for a reason, and it's a reason why it's still referenced today. Whether you're watching Pulp Fiction, it'll be on a poster in the background, mm-hmm. or whether, you know. And even Monsters vs. Aliens, I mean, they had Reese Witherspoon's character making an ode to that, where yeah. she was 49 yeah. feet and 11 inches. Okay, <laughs> I forgot about that. I love that movie. It's cute. Yeah, it's, it's, it's iconic now, because it's, it, it's something that, that, that captured the imagination back then. It's been remade. And you've had all these different variations on it. And there was even Attack of the Five Foot Two Women, the National Lampoon movie. So, yeah. like, it's it's become, like, just a part of our culture. And it's, I think, well-deserved because it's it's such a bonkers movie. It's just such yeah. a, you know, it's it's insane. And I loved it for it. I loved it for all its insanity. It's so funny and how it moves at a good pace as well. It's so funny how so many 
pop culture references. It comes in so many younger, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Johnny Bravo, Smallville, Total Spies, like how it, it sort of resonates and continues to resonate with people and how they mention even log lines for shows like Attack of the, you know, five foot two woman. Like, you know, it's like they just take that nod and give it back to this film, which is funny. Mm-hmm. The, the Simpsons did it with the uh, with the, all the advertising. Now uh, all the yep. all the advertisements came up. It was like attack of the attack of the fifty foot billboards or something like that on one of the Halloween specials. So yeah, oh, it's yeah. it's it's amazing. This brings us to the other extreme, which is The Incredibly Shrinking Woman, which is a 1981 American science fiction comedy film directed by Joel Schumacher in his first theatrical directing debut. <clears throat> Written by Jane Wagner, um, Lily Tomlin's wife now, and longtime lover and collaborator, and starring Lily Tomlin, Charles Grodin, Ned Beatty, John Glover, and Elizabeth Wilson. Um, if you are a Dark Shadows person, Elizabeth Wilson appeared in that, and she was Victoria Winter's ward. Interesting. Um, the film parodies the 1957 science fiction film The Incredible Shrinking Man, and credit is based on Richard Matheson's 1956 novel The Shrinking Man. The original music score was composed by Suzanne Chianti. Chiani. The film was released in pen and scan on VHS by Universal on July 13, 1994. Um, November 4, 2009, an unmastered low-quality DVD release manufactured on demand using DVD-R recorded media in 16... 16- um, nine and the Floric widescreen was offered under the Universal Vault series banner. It was later released by Shout Factory's Collectors Edition Blu-ray on uh, November 14, 2017 with an updated transfer and includes interviews and deleted scenes with Edith Ann, who is also played by Lily Tomlin. What we're going to do is going to cut to the trailer and be right back to discuss The Incredible Shrinking Woman. The strange story of Pat Kramer began on what seemed to be a perfectly normal day. Pat Kramer. She was a loving wife. Sweetheart. Hi, honey. Hi, Hi, Come on, under the covers. A devoted mother. Mom, cool. (laughs) An expert homemaker. And then, one day... Something incredible happened. We've got it. You are shrinking. No need to be upset, Mrs. Kramer. As long as you have on this ring, nothing's changed between us. I was pinched, poked, prodded. I was examined by specialists I never even knew existed. Universal Pictures presents Lily Tomlin as the incredible shrinking woman. The adventure of a brave woman whose biggest problem is growing smaller by the moment. I need a hit. (laughs) You mean she shrunk since the last time I saw her? You mean she shrunk since the last time I saw her? I sat on her last night. Can we give you a hand, dear? No one could help her. No one could comfort her. Oh, 
one could find her. Lily Tomlin, Charles Grodin, in the story of a woman who gave so much. Bring them, kidder. And got so little. More champagne. Now, how about a big hand for the little lady? The incredible shrinking woman. Hello, welcome to Literary License Podcast, and we're discussing the incredibly shrinking woman. Starting with John, what's your thoughts of Lily Tomlin's incredibly shrinking woman? It's so funny, I've not seen this movie. God, it's been forever. And I saw this a couple days ago. It's well, yeah, because I so I was yeah, I mean, I probably was like nine or ten when I saw this. So I remember something oddly enough scared me when I was a kid about this movie, because as I was rewatching it. I wasn't scared, but I remember a feeling of being scared. And I don't know what it, what in it would have done that to me. And I don't know if it was maybe even her at the end disappearing. Probably and... the garbage disposal. <laughs> no, I think yes. it was also the, I think it was the end of her disappearing and maybe dying that scared me as a kid or something. I don't know. But I, I just, I remember the nostalgia of watching this and also going, wow, this is kind of also very John Waters. Like it, there was something about it, like the bright colors and the kitchen being pink, like, you know, all pink and just their everything. Life is perfect in the neighborhood and everyone just being so bubbly and, and Lily Tomlin, like playing multiple characters. I was like, Oh my God, I wish more people would, would do that. I find it so fun to kind of like see that when happening in films, like I know, uh, Eddie Murphy was doing that with, you know, Nettie Professor and all like, but just to have a, have her do that. Um, I I love this film. It's like one of those where it's like, and now I'm like so glad I rewatched it again. I remember one of the funniest scenes, which I completely forgot and I probably wouldn't have even noticed as a kid was when the two kids sneak out to hear their mom and dad have sex. And I was like, what the fuck is this? And the kids are kind of giddy about their mom and dad are about to get it on. I was like, what is this? Like, this is so twisted. <laughs> it just it seemed like a cautionary ta- tale for me because it was like, it's all about consume, consume, and yeah. advertise and advertise. Yeah, You know, it's just like, you're going to just keep buying so much that you don't need all this crap. Yeah. kind of thing that's what it, it seemed like to me i don't know and what it does to you, you don't know what even it does to you so a lot of that too which is true to this day like people buy stuff to be like oh i you need this product you need it whatever and then you don't even know what's in it to what it could do to you right so that the whole i don't think they really even figured out what made her that way right it was like maybe everything combined did this to her but they didn't really understand what what made her you know shrink yeah, mix of all the chemicals yeah. I mean, everything, because remember the cheese she ate, the chemicals, the perfume. Perfumes, yeah. yeah. I'm assuming it might have been the perfume, because remember, she it spilled was. it on her, and, the, and the, it was glowing. Yeah. But there was also, but there was also the, uh, I mean, I think it's the mixture. It was the right stuff being thrown at you. I mean, because she spilled this on her, and then this happened, and this happens like a chain of events that kind of led to this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a... It's a fun movie. I mean, the thing is, I remember this because it's one of those things that used to be on HBO on a yeah. loop sort of thing. And I remember, um, so watching, I remember watching it on HBO people. many moons ago. Also, and, like Concepcion. Yeah. <laughs> Concepcion. She's like Concepcion. Concepcion, <laughs> man, she just she just don't have an attention span, does she? <laughs> she well, she went from being like very nice. Kids are god awful. 
Huh? Those kids are. Oh my god, demon, demon children, man. I mean, they're like abortion poster children. This is the reason why you're bored. (laughs) (laughs) They're that bad. There's nothing nothing remotely charming or cute. And, you know, when she's. It's like, you know, it's like. It's like some parents today, like, they'll have like the menopause baby, you know, like, you know, the person's waited until their eggs just about to dry up and they have this baby and this, and then this child grows up to be horrible because this child, because this is their last chance baby. They're never going to have another yeah. one. Right. And so basically that child was a spoiled brat and no matter, and just the most annoying child. She had two of those in her household. I think the boy was worse than the girl. The girl was just a little annoying. The boy was just mean. Like he was just like such a mean little shit. Any kid that has a bull cut is horrible. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) What did he play? I saw him before. Didn't he play on what what that little boy play on? Oh my God. That drive me nuts now. It's just a simple fact is like, you know, like the way they're acting in the car and just like, she, and this is back when she's full grown and you're like, yeah. you know, and you're just kind of going, what? I mean, the thing is, I guess if this was like shown, I guess if this was filmed today, maybe it make, maybe, maybe it would be, but in those days, you know, if your parents just kind of went back and goes, you either stop what you're doing or I'll give you something to cry about, or they smacked you. <laughs> it's like, yeah. why don't you not say, and I'm thinking, I want to go, this film's like from 1981, it's like, why don't you these kids? <laughs> I also think it it kind of plays into her trying to be the perfect wife, mom, right? Right. And the whole, like, her kids are out of control. Her house is out of control. The neighbor, everyone is like, her neighbors are coming in. It's like, it's sort of this hyper reality of being a mom and and wife. It was just a commercial why you need to smack your kids. Yeah. That's a commercial. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, when the gorilla is actually nicer than her children, that's saying something, right? The gorilla was actually like, can we keep him? Yes, we can get rid of you. We'll put you in the cages and, and keep the gorilla. The gorilla was my favorite part. That's so yeah. uh, Rick Baker, the effects artist under under uh, in the gorilla costume. I love the gorilla in this. This is the, the most awesome, fun thing in the whole movie. Yeah. Um, that the gorilla was, and the uh, lab techie guy. The lab tech guy was good, too. The janitor, uh, the janitor is the guy who played Blinken in uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. I don't remember his name, uh, but he's he's awesome. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I mean that, that was the thing. The, the, the gorilla scenes were great, and the um, uh, the garbage disposal scene I thought was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Besides that, I found myself really kind of bored by it because I, I think I was expecting something different because I, I, I thought like with that cast of like Ned Beatty, Lily Tomlin. Yeah. Uh, Charles Grodin, John Glover. I was expecting to like walk in and see this movie just be absolutely batshit insane. Uh, yeah. And I'd never seen it before, so I had no idea what to expect. But, but all, I, all what's funny is all of them play the same type characters. So Elizabeth Wilson, Henry Gibson, uh, John Glover is always a villain. Like he is literally every time you see him, he's like a villain. God, I was you know? so hoping for John Glover to just be over the top evil, and he wasn't. That I was. No. Just, he was like he was like badass corporate guy, right? Like I yeah. don't have any. I'm just gonna say it, and you're gonna do it, and like that type of. But it made me laugh. Like Elizabeth Wilson and Henry Gibson were like quintessentially the worst doctors ever. They were like, "We're no, we're going to dissect you and we're going to tear you apart. And we're going, you know, like they're just bad." That, that's what I liked. It was just that that third act is what I really liked because I felt like there was like there was so much more they could have done 
with the premise of her shrinking. And I feel like they didn't do it until the garbage disposal. Like that was the, that was the point where they finally got like, they, they got the concept of, you know, we're going to put her in danger. Like the stuff with the dollhouse, it's, it's funny. It's cute for a little chuckle, but I like, I want to see like battle with an ant. <laughs> I, I honestly think they took it from the, that, which is more action, obviously, and more comedy. Like, you know, when she's slowly shrinking and like, First, it's her clothes, right? Then it's her trying to maintain normalcy and make them dinner, and then she falls on her. Like th- they're ingenious in how they do all the shots, which I think was brilliant. Yeah, they were all quite well done, actually. Like, <clears throat> like to me, how they do everything, even like the little dollhouse when she gets like thrown off of the bed, or you know, like it's shot off of the bed and she ends up in the dollhouse, and like all that was like very. They're definitely were going for more comedy than I'm in real danger, right? The, right. The garbage disposal was the only real danger aside from her then being taken to the lab, you know? Well, um, with how small she was, the little boy pointing the slingshot at her would be really dead. That would kill her! I know. Yeah. <laughs> the kids were awful, weren't they? Oh, yeah, they were horrible. horrible. Even, like, when they bring the neighborhood kids over. <clears throat> yeah. And it's like, and it's like, oh, you guys need to go home, and then, like, neighborhood kids, like, shooting the, like, the, the gun at her. It's like... I know. Like, yeah. Really? You'd kill her! I think you know I, you know when I watched this film when I was younger I, I quite enjoyed it and I, I always I remember, remember and there's bits of this film I actually do enjoy I love I love the way you know as you were saying before with the special effects like when she's getting smaller and I like you know the thing like when she's trying to serve dinner and they, the, the way they platformed her shoes and yeah the, and the little things like this and um and then there's stuff that's kind of like over the top you know like when he's like pouring her champagne you know, yeah that was that was silly. And it's kind of like, and it's exploding in her face. And to be honest, it's like if she is that small, it would blow her across the table anyway. Yeah. But I think it's kind of funny that when you look at it with the eyes now, what's really missing is supposed to be this loving family that she has and this loving husband. And there's, and there is just nothing going on between Lily Tomlin yeah. and um, Charles Grogan's yeah, character no. as far as his loving couple. Now, if he was supportive and loving and they're fighting together, I think he might have a kind of a different feel for this film. Yeah. So basically what you got is a bunch of set pieces. And then you got this commentary going through like this, you know, this environmental commentary going through about commercialism and chemicals and stuff. yeah. Lot, well, even even when she first dies, when they think she died because they find her shoes, that whole scene where it's like they're burying a mouse, you know, in a backyard. Yeah. You would th- like if it was if your person died, like literally died, you would not fucking do that. I'm sorry, that is that is shit. There's if no my way. Mom died and she was only you know one two inches tall. I'm gonna have a funeral service for her. Yeah, her up in the back of the goldfish and a matchbox. <laughs> and and it was like what the. And it was like that is not right. <laughs> you know? but, but even when she disappears at the end, when you know, it's like she disappears, and it's just like it's like, oh. Anyway, let's go back to do what we're doing. <laughs> I know. And they're like, that's normal, you know. Like, and Charles Grodin never really does stand up for her with all this stuff that's going on. It's all, no. it's always no, honey. Listen, I need you, when when you go on TV, I need you to just kind of tow my company line. I'm like they fucking caused this. Yeah. Why well, at the end, he finally does. Once he loses her, he thinks he loses her. He he tells his boss to go shove it. But it's it's like too little, too late, right? Like what you know? Oh, now you care, right? Before you're pushing your wife to do all this, and yeah. And then I guess because of the chemicals, because everyone spilled their chemicals on the ground, that she grew back to her normal size, and then of course. It opens up for a sequel that maybe she's going to be the next 50 foot woman, but yeah, <laughs> it's like it opens to that sort of thing. But 
Yeah. I mean, parts of it I did like. I mean, I didn't realize there was so much polyester in 1981. So that was <laughs> <laughs> a lot. I think we were coming off the cusp of having to wear it all the time because polyester was probably one of the worst fabrics to dress any child in. And we all got polyestered when we were kids. So and you don't want to be in a hot, sun, a hot sunny climate in that. Ugh. I think that's why people, um, you know, so. Uh, spontaneously combusted in the in the summer. <laughs> people people are like really big thighs to go out running in polyester and it's go. <laughs> 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 it's like and you don't want to wear polyester during a fire because it just melted on you. Yeah. So, right. Don't get no, don't get too close to the campfire. Your clothes are gonna melt. True. <laughs> yeah, I think. But you know the thing is. is I guess, I mean, Lily Thomas coming off the back of 9 to 5. 9 to 5 was a huge hit, and this is her next film after that. Yeah. Um, So I can understand that, and I do think that I kind of would like to see, there's a lot of scenes that were cut out that might have made this a little bit more special. Like, um, in Laughing, she played Carol Ann. She had a little character that she played, like, Edith Ann. And that that was cut out of this film. Um, um, Ernestine, the telephone operator. You know, whenever yeah. she got on the call, there was, there was these scenes where her Ernestine, you know, you know yeah. that sort of thing. And that probably would have given it a bit more lift and made it a bit more. Yeah. You know, or because I mean, those characters are pretty way. much dead now because you don't see them anymore. Because I mean, Laughing's not not a show you can really watch and repeat or anything like that. So it would have been nice to have something to like cement those characters in a film sort of thing. Yeah. I think there were learnings from this film that others, <laughs> pun intended, grew from, um, like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, right? So they yes. took the nuances of both right. films, like the action adventure and the comedy and slapsticky from these, and they put them together and were like, we have a great film that we can have where it's not just now one person, it's three, you know, and it's how do you survive in this really big world now? And uh, hey, the kids and uh, <laughs> I blew up the baby and so on and so forth. What kept those films going is basically a strong closeness in the family. The family yeah. feels like they're really close knit and they feel like they yeah. might be a wacky family and they might be a crazy family, but they're a family that actually love and support and need each yeah, other. Right. Sort of That's what I think was missing in this, because if it was an action adventure, you wouldn't care, right? You would yeah. kind of be like, the family loves that, you know, the family loves her, but then she disappears or whatever. And then she's going on this big adventure and then they find her and they, or they save her. Right. And this, you don't get that closeness at all to the family. <laughs> and so as she's shrinking, you would think there'd be some empathy for her or the daughter would be, you know, mommy, what's going to happen when you're gone? Like, you know, like stuff like that, like, right. Like there's none of it. There was like literally none. It was like, she kept shrinking and the family just were like, Business as usual. How's everyone doing today? You know, like it was like, how's it? And it's more about how's it going to affect me? Didn't care about her. It's like, how's this going to affect me? Yeah, exactly. Like care, at least care about her enough to be like, I'm worried, right? I'm worried about, or having the kids say to the dad, like, is mommy going to go away forever? Like, is she going to disappear? Like there was none of that. There was just sort of this weird, and then him having the book, like how to have a marriage without sex. I was like, what the fuck? Like, really? That's right. I forgot about that. Like I was half expecting when I saw that book that he was going to end up uh, hooking up with uh, uh, Concepcion. He was going to Concepcion. I thought he was going to end up hooking up with her. Yeah, because I was well, like, and it, it kind of, of character. 
it kind of felt that way, right? Because she went from being very demure to being very sexy, right? She started wearing yeah. the little outfits and she was, you know, not as much a nanny anymore. It's more like, oh, housekeep, I'm going to be cute and, you know, do it that way. And then she yeah. became a nun. <laughs> like by the end of it, she was like a nun. Like she just, yeah. I don't, well, she thought I, she accidentally I, killed her. So yeah, I, uh, I get that's what true. she that's true. Yeah. yeah. I don't understand the simple fact that when she's small, and I think she's what, about six inches, maybe about this point, and then he buys her lingerie so they can go to bed together. What was going to happen in that bedroom? I couldn't figure that out. <laughs> I, no, <laughs> I, I said the same thing. I was like, uh, what was this? What was this point to buy her that? Like, was it like, oh, mm-hmm. hey, when you get big again, you will buy like what? Like, yeah. I mean, does she, is, is, he, you know, is he expecting her to get like a puggle step and grab on and jump up and down on it and while he's grabbing a hold of his member? Here's the thing. She was going to attempt something because, look, she's like, I'm getting on this damn bed. I don't give a hell. I give a fuck how long it takes me. If she's, she's six inches tall at this point, where are you going to put it? <laughs> where did you think it was gonna go <laughs> unless he, unless he's gonna play gerbil and he's gonna be richard gear we don't know <laughs> i can't stop you know, only like, the kids know actually because they're outside the door going <laughs> like, like, that's still that scene is so disturbing because i was like what the hell and the little girl's like, shh, and she's all excited because she's gonna hear her mom and dad you know go to town on each other i was like you what the heck yeah, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of mis, misplaced stuff in the movie where you just think that if they worked, if they worked a little bit better on the chemistry amongst everyone, yeah. that it probably could have played together. Because I mean, you know, let's let's take that the demon child that makes oh, you makes Damien um, Thorn like a run for money. Look, look like <laughs> the next coming of Christ, you know, because you have like this little kid. And then, and like he's got this, he's got this toy faucet stuck to his forehead. Are we supposed to find that cute and adorable? Yeah. I'm no. thinking, what an idiot! What's he got that stuck to his head for? Yeah, it's kind or of even when he know, did, he, weird. he did something at the beginning too, when they're driving back, and he blew something up in the car, and then he then he burst out the back end. I was like, God, what a little problem! And all the groceries are piling out the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all the groceries. She's like, you better screen. pick that up, and he's like, ah! I'm like, oh, God, Ritalin. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I guess you know, so. There's a lot of misplaced stuff in this movie that, that you know I don't that that was put maybe supposed to be cute, but it's just kind of, it's just kind of annoying. And every time they showed up, I was just like, oh, just kill them. Yeah, you know, if I if I could go on through the screen and actually got a gun out, I probably would have shot them in the head, and I probably wouldn't be <laughs> yeah. happy. Yeah. It it actually made me think of like maybe Ronald DeFeo had a. a the, the right thing when he was going through the house yeah, the of right Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Bring it all back around to the conjuring. Yeah, exactly. Bring it all wrap around. He's like, but, um, <laughs> but because there, there was that. But the thing is, like, but, but then there's other stuff in it that's quite interesting, like the the commercialization and the yeah. you know the environmental about the chemicals and there's that going on and that was quite interesting. And then there's the so there's the, the social messages quite interesting in it and then there of course then you got the way that they shrunk her and the way that they dealt out this that was quite good but as a full movie it was just kind of if they if we had more likable characters maybe i would have liked it more that's it 
That's yeah. it. Or or maybe yeah. if maybe if the actors just went completely batshit insane on this. Because yeah. you, you've seen what Ned Beatty's capable of, what Charles Grodin's capable of, what Henry Gibson's capable of. If they would have just completely, uh, John Glover, if they would just completely chew the scenery, this might have been more fun too. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, like he said, the, the, the characters are just not likable enough to, to keep the movie going the whole time. Um, I would I think mean, also, too, if they made her a bigger personality and maybe made her a little, like, over-the-top having to be a mom and wife, right? And they kind of did that, that they did in a comedic way, but they made it to where she took it very seriously and was a bit of a bitch of a mother. If she would, like, if her kids acted that way and she was like, I said, sit down and, like, went after them, right? That as she's shrinking as a person, she realizes she needs to have a little humility to the situation, right? Right. Versus, like, she, everyone loved her and then she just kind of kept shrinking and it was, but then no one missed her. Like they loved her, but they didn't yeah. miss her. Whereas if she was a bitch, no one would miss her. So that would make sense, right? If like you're a bitch of a neighbor, oh, goodbye and good riddance. You're a horrible human being, right? Versus like someone who finds their way as to how to be a good person in this situation where they're, they're literally shrinking as a human being and no one cares about them. Right. It makes you have humility to be like, wow, I'm, I'm pretty bad and I need to fix this right like I need to fix that how to be a better person you know I, yeah and as it turns out she's the only decent person in it yeah yeah everyone yeah. around her is a f- fucking yeah. asshole and everyone um, wants to ride her coattails so like her friend who is the makeup whatever like the Avon woman I can't remember her 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 counterpart herself that she plays is in it for like to be famous like or to make her famous right they're not doing it because they actually care about her right yeah well, I think that, um, I mean, it's it's kind of interesting that basically you got this one character. I mean, Lily, Tom- Lily Tomlin is like a, a likable actress, you know, yeah. whether you see her in 9 to 5 or in Grace and Frankie or something like this. Though I have to sit there and say that whenever they marry her off in any role, for some reason, there's never any chemistry between her and the male. So she might not be that good of an actress. She's probably a better lesbian than she is an actress, yeah, maybe. maybe. Yeah. But um, so there's never chemistry when there's a male. I mean, even in Sam Waterston and Grace and Frankie, there's no chemistry between there's more chemistry between Jane Fonda and Lee Tomlin than there is between her and this marriage. I, I do think in that series, though it's actually intentional, right? Because they've lived a partnership, not a relationship. So I think it's funny that they, I could see them as friends. I could see them that way, but not as husband and wife. And that was intentional. Like her relationship in that. If you go through any film that Lily Tomlin's married in to a male, there's never any chemistry. It just never chemistry. Yeah. For some reason. Yeah. Well, Well, I mean, it's like you said. She's probably a better lesbian than she is an actress sort of thing. But um, yeah, I do think that but though I do like her, I think that, you know, but you do kind of think in like, you know, you start off with a character and I mean, this is where I think this is the movie starts off. This is where you got this character. She's ignored by everyone. She's treated like shit, like everyone. She's got these horrible kids who ignore her sort of thing. The husband that ignores her and basically, and then the neighbor and her apparent friends ignore her. And then when this happens to her, they kind of, there it's all about everyone around their selfish needs so there's not even about her sort of thing right. it's not yeah. about her well-being and then by the end of it you know we got all these selfish characters and then when she dies it's kind of like okay she died let's move on with our lives and then she comes back as oh we're so happy to see you because we need the house cleaned kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. Like, i felt bad for her character that's the thing is like i i i, I felt bad for 
like what type of life when she going to just go back to everything is normal. Like you know, even her husband was kind of using her in a way like, Oh, well, what do you think we should name this? And she would, she would give him the name for the slogans. And it's like, so technically aren't you the one who should be in marketing? Cause your husband right. kind of sucks. Like she's the one giving him the advice and he's taking it. And it's sort of like, it is a sort of thing that happens in the corporate world. Like people rise up for the ones who take other people's ideas. Right. And they kind of go up that exactly. you know, ladder. Um, but I just felt so bad for her character. Cause by the end, you're just kind of like, yay, she's alive. <laughs> Cause it's like, you know, what is she coming back to? Well, she's going to get bigger now, isn't she? Well, or at least I that's kind what of, they're alluding to. I kind of wish they would have done both films together. Because then maybe the second one would have focused on how everyone took advantage of her. And, she, and then she can stamp. She can, she can yeah. step on. She can literally tear that town apart and be like, you didn't give a shit about me. You know, like she, because in a small world, what information was she getting, right? Like, was she able to see what people were doing with her, about her, or talking about her? In a bigger world, you get a bigger purview of everything that's happening in around you, right? And or if you're hearing, big... she could hear, like, hear people talking about her and saying things, and she could be like, "Oh my god, I thought they were my friend," right? And if she was a bigger person, she could take her son, pick him up, and then throw him into a brick wall, and you can watch him splatter like a fly against a <laughs> windscreen. <laughs> he was a little shit, man. That, oh my that god, he, did, man. he was. <laughs> I said, pick up those oranges, you little shit. <laughs> you know what you know kind of reminds me of? All those movies of Corey Feldman when he's a young kid and you were supposed to find him cute. He's just freaking annoying. Like, you <laughs> bloody annoying. <laughs> you know, or, you know, a lot of movies that when he was like a little kid is like, you're supposed to like, oh, and he's cute, but he's just really annoying. It's like, yeah. like the court. It's like, so he could have been played by Corey Feldman in 1981. <laughs> <laughs> And a few years later, Joel Schumacher and Corey Feldman would do the Lost Boys together. So, yeah. yeah. Well, this is more Joel Schumacher, Batman and Robin, than Joel Schumacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, after I watched it, I, I, I messaged you and I was like, well, Batman and Robin is no longer the worst movie that Joel Schumacher ever made. <laughs> I felt like this one was just DOA. <laughs> To be honest, I, again, I think, Batman and Robin was interesting because it was just so fucking over the top stupid that like yeah. I couldn't help but look. Campy, it was like campy, 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 above the top, campy. Well, yeah. you know, I think that Joe Schumacher. I think because this is his first role, if they went because Joe Schumacher is very gay, one hundred percent. Now, on all his films, yeah. there is a gay subtext and stuff like this going. And Did I think you see that, the costumes in Batman and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> so if this was a second or third film and they let him go on it I think and, and he was able to be himself I think that we probably would have got a better film because there would have been a lot of Nick um, a lot of winks and nods to the audience and there would be a campness that would have flowed through this movie which would have helped this movie intensely right no, it wouldn't. Or John Waters would have done a fantastic job with this movie I think it still had a message though one. It definitely had a message, though, about consumership and taking yeah. people for granted and the environment. I mean, it really kind of. I think specifically about taking women for granted, I think, was the message of this movie. There is no thank, no less thankful a, a, a position to be had on this planet than to be mom. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or a housewife.
So let's do our final thoughts of this film, starting with Joe. What's your final thoughts of this lovely movie that you're so fond of? He loved it. He <laughs> like loved I it. Said, and, I, and I noticed you didn't go down any rabbit holes with this movie. No, I did not. <laughs> but I've already seen The Incredible Shrinking Man. And I, it, um, but yeah, I and I just recently watched uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, which maybe was also a reason why I kind of this kind of I, fell that's, flat that's to that's me, because that's movie. so much better use of the concept. It is. Um, I love it. Yeah, I, I I didn't find it engaging aside from a couple of scenes. The uh, <laughs> um, I, like when she when she plays back the tape recorder and everything around her vibrates when she's tiny. That that yeah, made me, that made me laugh. Yeah. Uh, the um, uh, the garbage disposal scene was really really good, really tense, and I felt like if we had more scenes like that, this would have been a, a far better movie. And Rick Baker as the ape is like the best thing right. in this movie. I loved him so much in this. The the third act, I think, kind of saves it a little bit. Um, everything in that lab uh, with the janitor and uh, the ape are, I, I think, are great. Uh, everything else just kind of fell flat to me. I really think, like, I might have gone into this. I, it might have been my fault because I might have gone into this thinking, you know, Charles Grodin, Ned Beatty, who both recently passed away, and the, like I thought like this was going to be like just oh my god this is a a weird concept they're just going to go fucking balls to the wall just ape shit just completely just have fun with it and i felt myself like i kept like expecting like okay here it goes here it is it is it gonna go and like it wasn't until like about an hour in where i finally got like 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 one of the scenes i thought was going to be like i thought it was going to be like a bunch of these scenes like throughout the whole movie and uh, yeah, I just felt kind of disappointed by it. And I love Joel Schumacher. I love his movies. And there's, like Keith said, there's two Joel Schumachers. There's Lost Boys, 8mm Falling Down, Joel Schumacher. And then there's Batman uh, Batman um, and Robin, Joel Schumacher. And I feel like this lean more in that uh, more in that way, but without the personality. All right. What about yourself, Vix? Uh, I, th- I think that when I was younger in the eighties, I liked this movie a whole lot more now, now that I'm, I'm like just, you know, rewatching it. I mean, I can live without it. I mean, but I'll watch it. I didn't think it was awful, but I mean, I didn't think it was, I think I thought it was more fun back in the day than I think it is now. Maybe it's because I've since been a mother and a housewife since then, <laughs> since I grew up, but um uh, I, I think it's got a message for people, like I've been saying, it's like, you know, over consuming and and taking people for granted and just all that. But I mean, it wasn't an awful film. I mean, it was a fun film, but there were there weren't a whole lot of aha moments kind of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like like fighting ants. <laughs> like Joe said, I want to see them <laughs> fight large insects. <laughs> so <laughs> or rodents. But it wasn't it wasn't or rodents, yeah. John? I I think this is a product of if they move the needle, you know, in the center is what I think they're trying to do. They they didn't really lean heavily into the action side of it. There are moments that you, you know, like the, the garbage disposal and right. then when she gets there and she's actually in the lab, but they miss a beat because they're trying to also make it very comical. And, and I think the comedy part of it would work like for instance, when she gets trapped in the closet and Betsy Wetsy like sprayed all over her, right. hysterical, like very funny, perfect moment for comedy. Betsy Wetsy, I forgot about that. But then they try to tie in the comedy with some of the sincere moments. And when you're the only one as the audience 
really feeling sorry for her and everyone else doesn't give a shit is where it kind of misses a beat. Like, right. Like you start to realize, as we've said, that no one cared and, and you, you feel bad for her, but then you kind of leave at the end. It's similar to attack of the 50 woman at the end, you know, there's maybe a little bit of hope because you see that she's going to grow into something bigger and it, and you, you kind of get a little like, Ooh, good for her. But she's still stuck in a really shitty situation with this family because they just take advantage of her. Her neighbors take advantage of her. Her husband takes advantage of her. So you kind of like, you hope for the best, right? You hope that she's going to grow and actually learn from what these people did to her. And so she kind of becomes a bigger woman, right? Because there are, you always feel like she is a bigger woman, but she is smaller because everyone makes her smaller as a person, you know, not because of the situation she's in. That makes sense. Well, for me, it's one of those films that kind of reminds me of those films that you kind of watch when you're a child and then you kind of watch them years later and they don't live up to expectations. I do think that maybe if they hired people to play against type, maybe we'd have a different kind of film. I think everyone's kind of dialing in their performance a little bit. So that kind of lets it down down the side a little bit. I do think that maybe it gets overcrowded with this whatever social message that these to libertarians are trying to throw it throw it at you sometimes weighs it down as well and i do think that maybe if they just played sat back and played it for laughs and, and then or did like the day with the incredible shrinking man it's like you don't need a lot of science to go on with this no. so if you're going to yeah. mention something or trying to give some kind of social message and just you know maybe not go with that and you know i like the idea that commercialism is fine but there are other movies that do the same thing whether it's the the classic film the stuff where they do that or paul verhoeven uses commercials in his movies like robocop and starship troopers and things like that to a fantastic effect but even the commercials that they show in this were all a bit flat really it's like yeah. so if you're gonna make a message you're gonna make a message movie and you're gonna make a comedy you know fun thing then you, i think you could be a, there's a lot of this film outside of her getting small that could have been done a lot more cleverly <clears throat> I just think that you know i think you know maybe I don't think that kids today would actually enjoy this film. I think that, you know, in our time, um, it kind of suited us because it kind of reminds us of the time when, when HBO was kind of new and these films would just pop up and play over and over and over and you you watch them on repeat because, you know, at that easy time, watches. We were, while we were growing up with like three channels and all of a sudden we had 50 all at our fingertips and we got movies that were coming. Oh, I remember and, two to channel two to 13. Yeah. yeah. But I'm saying wait, that, wait, was it seven? Was like wait, thirteen and eleven? No, but they Canada. I can't remember. I know thirteen was Canada. But when we got HBO at, around this time, the little like, brown box with the little oh, yeah. uh, Zena. <laughs> we got movies about commercials, and they were on twenty four hours. I mean, you remember? I mean, I saw a lot of films. I saw like you know Hell Night and yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great, you know, and they also didn't cut anything out. That was, that was good, yeah. too. No. I, was, I was telling Keith, there's a movie to this day. I cannot, I don't know the name of it, but I remember it had such an impact on me as a kid. And I watched it in broad daylight. It wasn't in the middle of the night. It, it, it would just mess with my mind. I would love to know what that is, but I'm sure it's because it was played on air over and over and over and over again. And it, I just kept catching it. At the worst uh-huh. times, it was about like a ghost who kills this couple and then lives on a hill. And I just remember her red red gown and her haunting them and they ended up killing themselves. And I remember going, 
I don't know what this film is, but like daytime television, when they would recycle these films, it burns it into your brain. I will tell you one thing, though, because I had one of those films in me. I think we discussed this and it was about this plant that basically had these like a willow tree and it would like suck out the people's bloods and kill them. And I remember this old black and white one that freaked me out. Yeah. Well, I found it. Oh, my God. Um, it's kind of like Gilamash, something the monster of Gilamash. Roger Corman actually took a Mexican film and overdubbed it with English and mm. released this film. And I did watch it. I finally got, oh, I'm so excited because it scared the hell out of me. It like haunted my dreams forever. And it's probably one of the worst things I've ever seen. So, yeah. Uh, No, it's funny because I still can't find this film and I kind of don't know if I want to find it because it really messed with me as a kid. I just remember this woman with black hair and she wore one of those old gowns that would come up to the neck and she'd wear the the cap, right? The red cap. And she haunted this couple until they killed themselves. They literally jump off of a cliff. And I remember this as a kid going, what the hell? Like, you know, and I, to this day, I can't find this film. He's so my search red nightgown. I might know what it is. I'm just trying to think of it. I'll, I'll, I'll give it some more thought. I'll message you yeah. later. Yeah, I think because it sounds familiar. It sounds like a it sounds like a made for TV movie from the. It 90s. was. It had to have been because I've looked. I've googled everything. Woman in red gown, ghosts, like everything. I've done couple honeymooning couple, and then it pulls up. What's the famous one with? Um, oh my god, uh, where they're in the car and they die and they become ghosts. Um, Beetlejuice. Uh, Topper. Topper. Right. No. Topper's a bunny. What is? Top, what is it? One. Topper is the. Um, the no. One this with is. This this is black and white. And I remember it's a couple that one of them dies and become a ghost and they're stuck to the other person. And that was more comical. This was not that. <laughs> and it's not, okay. I can't, every time I so look this, up ghost This couple, movie was like made in like the eighties or nineties. Had to be in the eighties. Yeah. Had to be in the eighties because it was in color too. So that was a big, you know, I'll try, tall I'll, I'll try to figure it out. I'll try to think of it and see if I'm kind of worried about seeing it now because it was really traumatic for me. Like he said, what's really you want to watch really? stuff as traumatic if you turn out was it you know how you watch on netflix that got the ghost stories mm-hmm. watch the spanish set of ghost stories then people don't have any filters <laughs> that no. they are definitely got scarier ghosts than we do i remember as a kid i used to be terrified of the hulk the show the hulk and just him transforming and i remember my brothers laughing at me going to, and and now when i look at it I'm like i could see how i would have been scared because i was like seven or eight right but now I'm like, oh, this is silly. <laughs> why, am I, why am I so scared of this? You know, we, it's Eddie's father turning into Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Whether you are living large or downsizing, we at the Literary License Podcast celebrate all of the big and small changes in your life. But if you need a spark of inspiration, head on over to our website at llpodcast.com to check out all of our social and podcast platforms, listen to all of our past episodes, become a patron, and sign up for our monthly newsletter to read our reviews of books to screen and everything in between. For our next episode, the crew continues their summer supernatural soapy reviews of the Dark Shadow series. As always, we'd like to thank you for downloading, liking, and sharing the Literary License Podcast. Have a great day, folks. Bye. Bye, everyone.